Hello, welcome to the first New Legal Realism podcast. My name is April Faith Slaker, and I'll be interviewing Professor Michael McCann today. But first, a bit about the New Legal Realism project. NLR promotes rigorous and genuinely interdisciplinary scholarship on law in action, building from the law and society tradition. Law professors and lawyers often turn to social science research for help in resolving legal problems, but they usually do so without much social science training or expertise. On the other hand, social scientists who study legal issues can fail to appreciate the distinctive requirements of law and policy, resulting in failed attempts to apply social science to real-world problems. NLR focuses on developing better, more sophisticated translations between law and social science. This is especially important as law increasingly turns to social science for guidance in dealing with crucial legal and policy issues. So the exciting news for the NLR movement is that three volumes were recently published, which are charting a new course for interdisciplinary research on law in the new millennium. Cambridge University Press has published the first two volumes. The first volume entitled Translating Law in Society for Today's Legal Practice is co-edited by Elizabeth Mertz, Stuart McCauley, and Thomas W. Mitchell, and it lays the groundwork for this novel and comprehensive approach with an innovative combination of theoretical, historical, pedagogical, and empirical perspectives. The second volume, entitled Studying Law Globally, is co-edited by Heinz Klug and Sally Engelmary, and it explores a crucial part of the new Legal Realist project, which is the integration of global perspectives and information into our understanding of the law. The authors in this path-breaking volume use empirical research to shed light on current developments in law at a global level. The third volume, Translating the Social World for Law, is published by Oxford University Press, and it is co-edited by Elizabeth Mertz, William K. Ford, and Gregory M. Matosian. This volume examines the linguistic problems that arise in efforts to translate between law and social sciences. Law and the social sciences certainly qualify as disciplines with quite distinctive language patterns and practices, as well as different orientations and goals. In coordinated papers that are grounded in empirical research, the volume contributors use careful linguistic analysis to understand how attempts to translate between different disciplines can misfire in systematic ways. We have with us today Professor Michael McCann, who authored the preface to the New Legal Realism Volumes 1 and 2. Professor McCann is the Gordon Hirabayashi Professor for the Advancement of Citizenship at the University of Washington. He was the founding director of the Law, Societies, and Justice Program, as well as the Comparative Law and Society Studies Center at the University of Washington for more than a dozen years. He is also the author of more than 60 article-length publications and numerous books, including Rights at Work, Pay Equity Reform, and the Politics of Legal Mobilization, and with William Haltom, Distorting the Law, Politics, Media, and the Litigation Crisis. Both books have won multiple professional awards. He has won a Guggenheim Fellowship, a Law and Public Affairs Program Fellowship at Princeton, and numerous National Science Foundation and other research grants. He was elected as president of the Law and Society Association for 2011 to 2013, and in 2014, he assumed a new leadership role as director of the Harry Bridges Center for Labor Studies at the University of Washington. Uh, welcome, Professor McCann. It's an honor to have you on our podcast, the very first podcast, in fact. So um, additionally, thank you for being our first interviewee. Um, 
So you are the author of the preface that introduces both volumes one and two of the new Legal Realism volumes. Um, and I'm wondering if you could just tell our listeners a bit about your interest in doing that. Sure. Thanks for uh, having me uh, partake in this project. Um, there's actually a little bit of a story or history to how I came to write the preface. Um, I had known about the new legal realism project or movement for some years, and I really wasn't that interested in it. And one reason was outlined in a essay that I wrote uh, almost 10 years ago uh, that was about the Law and Society Association. I had been asked to write um, an essay about the current state of Law and Society Association and what was going on, and I wrote a piece that was called Dr. Strangelove or uh, How I uh, Learned to Love Methodology. Um, and what I, I did a lot of things in the essay, but one of the things I argued was that uh, Law and Society Association, which had once been very open to different kinds of methodologies, and it actually encouraged not only multiple methodologies, but multi-methodological research, had um, developed into a, a number of kind of factions, or the big tent had broken up into several uh, different small tents uh, along the lines of methodology. Um, there was empirical legal studies, which was for people who did mostly a theoretical quantitative work, and there was law culture and humanities that did more humanities-oriented work. And I viewed the new legal realism as just another kind of, um, you know, tent in the big tent. And my concern was that law and society uh, scholarship was fracturing or was dividing against itself along lines of methodology. So that was one of the reasons why I didn't really um, participate in the New Legal Realism Project initially when I knew about it, even though I knew lots of scholars and certainly had lots of respect for them. In many ways, thought if I was going to identify with one of these new sub-movements in law and society, it would be the New Legal Realism. And then at some point, Beth Mertz, who is a very prominent leader in the new legal realism, uh, reached out to me and asked me if I had anything I might contribute to their website. And I told her about this essay that I wrote. And she looked at it. She goes, this is, you know, right, heart, right at the heart of what we're doing in new legal realism. It's an argument for multi-methodological study, for mixing quantitative and qualitative for research that builds around interesting questions and in particular focuses on legal practice rather than legal doctrine. She, and she found the essay to be really interesting and to be a nice addition to what they're doing. So that was really my first connection to the new legal realism. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't, and then I think at one point I actually went to a mini conference where a lot of the scholars were presenting and became more interested. And then um, I was contacted by the editor at Cambridge University Press and asked if I would review the volume. And I said, sure, that would be another way for me to learn more about what's going on. And I didn't feel like I was an insider, so I could be appropriately objective and critical. Um, and so I wrote my review. And in the review, to some degree, I took a little bit of issue with how the new legal realist scholars presented themselves. I tried to suggest that I thought there was actually some more interesting things going on that they hadn't quite put their finger on in both defining the legal realism and whatever. Anyhow, so I sent in my review. I was very favorable to the volumes. I just urged a little bit of uh, further development in the in the uh, presentation of New Legal Realism as a project. And then somewhere along the line, uh, when they read the review, they said, well, who is this person? This would be a great addition to the volumes themselves. Mm -hmm. And somehow that morphed into 
an invitation for me to write up my comments in a preface for the two volumes, uh, which I did, and I found quite um, enjoyable and edifying, and that's how it came to be. So I, I kind of um, slid into participation in the project from uh, over time from a initially kind of not being very interested in it. Right. Interesting. Um, okay. Well, so you you touched on this a little bit, but um, since you are our first speaker in the podcast series, can you explain for our listeners how you view the New Legal Realism Project, um, and that's both as it it has developed and how you would also like to see it grow in the future? Sure. Um, I think in, in many ways I view the relationship of New Legal Realism to the earlier legal realist movement earlier in the century um, uh, on one hand and also in relationship to the broader tradition of law and society scholarship. Um, both the early legal realism and especially law and society has all, always been about trying to put in the conversation with each other uh, law professors who traditionally have done more doctrinal work with sociolegal scholars who study law and practice, law in actual, as practical uh, activity, um, both within legal institutions or official institutions like courts, but also in processes of disputing and, and, and social movement contestation over rights and all you know, kinds of places where you can look to find law in practice. Um, Brian Tamanaha, who's a very well-known scholar, especially right now, the early legal realism has an essay in, in the first volume where he argues that legal realism in its first incarnation really wasn't all that new. It was really kind of a packaging and refinement of ideas that were already well known. Mm-hmm. And in some ways, that's how I view the new legal realism, that in many ways it is very similar to what I've always identified as socio-legal or law and society scholarship um, in the last four or five decades. Um, but in many ways, what new legal realism is doing is kind of regenerating that original vision, uh, re- uh, bringing together scholars who work within the law and society tradition, um, trying to define more clearly what the scholars have in common, what their general project is. Um, and in that way, new legal realism, rather than being a subset of law and society, I think really is the closest to the Big Ten approach of law and society in that it uh, embraces different methodological approaches, celebrates multi, multi-methodological research, um, is uh, in particular celebrating theory-driven empirical study, and again trying to focus on law and practice uh, rather than just legal doctrine. But at the same time trying to bring social scientists who are studying legal practice um, into discussion with and conversation with uh, those who are focusing primarily on official legal doctrine and what we call black letter law. So in many ways, I think new legal realism is an effort to really regenerate that larger big tent view of law and society in some ways was beginning to fragment and maybe fray uh, a decade or two ago. And, and I think it's been a, something of a regenerative force, much as the, it, it, so its relationship to the old legal realism is similar to that to the Law and Society Association. Okay, yeah, I, I think you you already anticipated my next question, but um, so sure. there's this new legal realism movement, and and then there's Law and Society, and I know some scholars uh, in the Law and Society movement are kind of worried that NLR might become a competitor 
Um, and so I wonder if you can respond to that. I know, you know, you've been the president yeah. of the Law and Society Association, so you'd be in a great position to respond to this. Sure. I mean, as I said, initially when I learned about new legal realism, I did see it as either a sideshow or perhaps another one of the fragments that was breaking off, perhaps as a competitor to law and society. And I was concerned um, that it was not going to be a positive force. Why do we need a new legal realism when, when the old law and society seems to be doing pretty well? But as I said, over time, I think I've changed my view about that because I, I think that in some ways new legal realism has tried to regenerate that older law and society vision in some ways against some of the competing or alternative um, fragments that have broken off or at least become uh, gone to the, to the periphery of what law and society is all about. So I guess my simple answer is I think that they're very complementary. I don't see that new legal realism is really a competitor because it's not a big enough movement that enlists enough scholars that would really compete with the Law and Society Association, which has continued to grow and grow over the last 25 years. Um, so new legal realist scholars are really a subset of Law and Society, but at the same time, they are among the most distinguished, the, the most prolific, the best known of the Law and Society scholars. And again, that's where I see them performing kind of an important function or carrying out an important mission of trying to regenerate law and society and partly just packaging it under a new name, but not one that really either competes with what law and society is all about or dilutes the message and the um, and the title and the identification with law and society association. I don't really know anybody who views new legal realism as a competitor that has any negative implications for law and society. I see it as entirely... Um, you know, a positive kind of relationship, more okay. so than, than some of the other subgroups that I think have broken off from law and society. Not that I think that they're really hurting law and society, but sometimes I do lament that they have taken on something of an independence and moved outside of the law and society tradition. I don't think that's true of new legal realism at all. So um, why should social scientists care about new legal realism when it is so aimed at the legal academy? That's a really good question, and I will say that's one of the reasons why I was initially not all that interested in new legal realism. I had mentioned that before, but I'm a social scientist. I'm in a political science department. I, uh, I was the founding director of a social science-based uh, interdisciplinary socio-legal program that, that brought together political scientists, geographers, sociologists, anthropologists, uh, international uh, studies scholars, uh, mostly social scientists, some in humanities, but didn't include any law school professors and was relatively independent of our law school at my own university, University of Washington. So one of my responses was, well, why, that what's going on with new legal realism is an attempt to reconnect the law and society tradition to law schools. Um, it was partly a recognition that law and society, while a noble mission that had generated lots of good uh, scholarship uh, really had not succeeded as much as many people would like in infiltrating and influencing law schools themselves. Um, while bringing together lots of law professors and social scientists, it's not clear that the impact on legal education or legal law school scholarship was as great as people might have expected, say, 30 years ago in the earlier years of law and society. So I, I, I think my view was 
well, new legal realism is really a project focused on law schools, um, not really focused on social science. So that's a good question. Why should social scientists care? Well, that's one of the things I wrote about in my practice is I was trying to think this through for myself. And I think there are a couple of reasons. One simply is that the uh, ongoing conversation and interaction between law professors who are working on traditional legal doctrine and social scientists who are studying law in society and in social practice has been a very um, a productive interaction that the Law and Society Association, I think, regardless of whether it's changed law schools, has produced a tremendous amount of great scholarship, and it certainly has had an impact at some levels. So to the extent that new legal realism is trying to continue and perhaps regenerate that project, I think there are just very strong intellectual reasons uh, for for trying to do that. I think also there's another reason, which is uh, beginning in the 1990s, lots of law schools began to hire scholars with PhDs in social science as well as JDs. And that was not entirely new, but I think it was new in degree. A lot of those were economists, um, but there were also historians and, and, and certainly a lot of political scientists, um, people I knew in political science who were being hired in law schools. And that was, I think, a moment for optimism uh, about the impact of law and society on law schools. It was a sign that, in fact, uh, there was some success and some impact. Um, and I think that there are still a number of PhDs in law schools and some hiring of PhDs going on. So I think in many ways there's more reason for connection now than there ever has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other reason is that uh, most of us who are social scientists uh, mentor and educate lots of undergraduates who are thinking about going to law school. And uh, quite honestly, uh, that has given me reason to, to stay attuned to what's going on with law schools. Uh, and the fact that if law schools really are continuing to and accelerating the amount of attention to law and society studies and to integrate with social science into the study of law, that makes me somewhat more optimistic or positive about encouraging students to go to law school, even when there's lots of other things going on uh, in law schools and in the legal profession that may not make it as promising of a career as before. So I think those are at least three connections, teaching undergraduates, the fact that fellow PhDs are teaching law schools, and just the, the uh, quality of, of the conversation and the ways in which the conversation between law schools and, and social science really improves what both of us do, or what all of us do. So what would you say to law professors about what they have to gain from the New Legal Realism Project? Right. Um, an equally good question. Um, I'm not sure that I'm the best prepared to answer that question because I'm not in a law school. I'm actually an adjunct in a law school, and I do interact a lot with law professors, and I give talks a lot in law schools. But because I'm not really in the law school world dealing with the contemporary law school environment, which is one that to some degree is uh, uh, concerned with a bit of crisis, um, I'm not sure I'm the best person, but I think there are some reasons why law schools probably uh, have reason to pay attention to to, to uh, the new legal realism. One is just, uh, the same reason why social scientists ought to be interested or, and are interested. It's just the quality, the improvement in the quality of research by connecting 
social science to traditional law school scholarship. That process of translation, which I think the new legal realists emphasize a lot, translating social science for law school um, teaching and for law school research, um, I think there's an intrinsic uh, intellectual value in that. I don't want to go so far as to say that's improving the quality of teaching and research at law schools, but I think the new legal realist scholars would like to believe that's the case and really make that case to their law school colleagues. Mm-hmm. One of the things about, I think there's also an argument that new legal realism really fits what law schools need to be teaching, and that is to teach much more about the practical workings of law, about the workings of law and practice. Um, one of the reasons why law schools are in a bit of crisis is that for a long time they've recognized that what they teach, especially the emphasis on case law, doesn't really have a whole lot to do with lawyering. It doesn't really provide the key skills that most uh, lawyers are going to need in their professional practice. Of course, professional practice is a wide, very wide range of diverse activities, but most of what people go on to do with their law degree isn't really arguing test cases in front of high courts, uh, arguing over case law. What law and society offers is not what, or in what new legal realism offers, is um, I think a, a number of skills in practical judgment. Uh, unlike some of the other approaches, like um, uh, empirical legal studies, which emphasize uh, quantitative study to try and produce generalizable uh, predictions about outcomes of legal contestation, um, or uh, law and economics, which is mostly deductive and not very empirical, uh, what new legal realism does is study law in context and to emphasize the way in which law and practice is a highly contingent activity, uh, that law varies with the various contexts in which it is practiced. And those contexts are difficult to reduce to determinate variables of the sort um, that other kinds of scholars want to emphasize in the search for prediction and certainty. Um, a kind of positive understanding of law. Uh, legal realist scholars are often what we call post-positivists, which is they emphasize, again, contextual contingency. The fact that what law means, how it matters, how it's practiced varies with other kinds of factors, social factors and political factors and institutional contexts and so forth. And because new legal realism emphasizes uh, an acute analysis of context, and then trying to formulate judgments about what's happening in those different contexts, it seems to me that's an eminently practical kind of uh, undertaking for both law school teaching and for law school research. So I think that in some ways it, is, it offers the kind of scholarship um, that's most appropriate and probably most useful for the, the, the bulk of uh, people who practice law as lawyers. Uh, and then finally, I think... Um, well, two other reasons. One thing is that law and, uh, new legal realism, like law and society, is somewhat ahead of the curve in really introducing uh, legal scholarship to comparative and global perspectives, studying law outside of the U.S. and other nations, and also looking at international law, looking at global independent, interdependence, um, something which has not received nearly as much attention in traditional law school curricula and which seemed very important, even necessary, in a contemporary globalized world. So I think that, again, by integrating lots of scholars who are studying legal systems and legal interactions beyond the U.S., 
or at the global and international level that uh, new legal realism uh, offers some really sophisticated study in areas that have been somewhat neglected or underemphasized in law schools. Uh, and then finally, um, the methodologies of new legal realism, emphasizing a particular qualitative study, historical study, textual study, um, interview-based and ethnographic kinds of study, um, are while they take a certain amount of study, they're also much more accessible to people. Rather than having to learn complex statistics and, and formal modeling that some other approaches, like law and economics and empirical legal studies emphasize, that the kinds of methods that new legal realism tends to emphasize are much closer to what people already have done in their education and the kind of legal research they'll can continue to do as lawyers. So I think the accessibility of the new legal realist approaches, that they're, that they're not so alien and form-wise, um, and again, they really aim at judgment rather than, than sophisticated modeling and prediction, all make them quite appropriate, the new legal realist approach, quite um, appropriate for legal education. So I come from more of the legal practitioner side of things. Mm -hmm. um, you were speaking about accessibility, um, and I know that there's, there's also this conversation about, uh, about getting this material into the legal academy. Um, but I'm curious if you, if you have any response to the idea of getting this material and, and the lessons that we can learn from this material to the, the legal practitioners, out to judges and lawyers who are out operating in the world. Um, yeah, I, I just wonder if you have a response to that. I can say that I and lots of sociolegal scholars I know regularly do give talks to legal practitioners, to bar association groups, to judges groups, to uh, judicial training sessions, to um, I work with a lot of activist lawyers for civil rights and, and various kinds of rights causes, and I'm regularly in interaction with them. In, in my scholarly role, I give talks and I present my own research and, and current research in the field. So it seems to me that goes on a lot. A lot of that, again, is mm -hmm. facilitated by local bar association groups. A lot of continuing legal education credit seems to me that there has been a significant increase in the introduction of what I call socio-legal or law and society or, or the new legal realist style of translation between social science and, and legal study uh, going on at those levels. Um, I know that I would say in the last 15 years I am invited a lot more to speak to those kinds of groups and present to those kinds of groups. So it seems to me that it's happening, but primarily through bar associations and continuing legal education credentialing. Okay. Yeah, that's good to hear. Um, yeah, and, and one of the things I say, I mean, it, it, again, that speaks to my issue of accessibility. Um, yeah. I can go give a talk about research that I've done that's based on ethnography and interviews and historical study and so forth and present it in a relatively non-technical way so that doesn't require a lot of technical preparation by the audience to understand what I'm saying. Um, and that, and to me, that makes it usable. That makes it practical. Mm -hmm. It makes the translation from social science much easier than, than some of the more um, esoteric uh, kinds of methodological approaches that we see in some other areas of social science study, again, like law and economics and, and the like. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I don't have any other questions, so um, if you have anything that you want to add specifically about the new volumes or just NLR generally, um, please, you're welcome to do so. 
I'll just say that I, I think the volumes are really terrific. When I originally reviewed them, I was very impressed with the organization, uh, with what the volumes are trying to do. The, the volume one uh, that was focusing on, uh, in part, by introducing legal realism into the teaching of law schools uh, and this issue of translation, which I think is a kind of a terrific way of signaling what new legal realism is trying to do, which again is kind of a repackaging of law and social science. I think the other thing is that the second volume is about um, a comparative and global study of studying law globally. And again, they not only bring in some of the you know, best known and most distinguished scholars, people like Sally and Mary and Carol Heimer and Martin Seed and, and other uh, Greg Schaefer and, you know, a terrific group of scholars, but that they are, um, again, trying to connect study of law in the U.S. to law beyond the U.S. and, and including global interdependence of the U.S. with the rest of the world. Um, and, and when I was uh, preparing for this uh, podcast, I looked over the volumes again. I was even more impressed this time because now they're in book form and more accessible that way. But uh, I, you know, I do think it's a very important development uh, in the law and society tradition. I'd like to thank Francis Tung and the many researchers who are collaborating on this new legal realism project and for working to make this podcast happen. Visit NLR at www.newlegalrealism.org or on the blog at newlegalrealism.wordpress.com, where new legal realists post on everything from law to the latest in jazz. You can also email us at newlegalrealism at gmail.com. So if you have any interview questions that you would like to submit to us as we move through interviewing the various authors of the recent volumes, please feel free to do so. This is April Faith Slaker with the New Legal Realism Project. Thanks for listening.